0: On November 7th, 1982, Francine Miller, who was 17 at the time, had a conversation with Micaela, who was 82. The conversation was in Spanish and sounded a little bit like this.
1: Y el no le y el gobierno no nos daba nada, pero yo nunca estaba esperando que me dieran o que me trajeran, no. Yo siempre salía, estuviera esperando o no esperando. Yo de, lui tenía yo
0: Years later, Francine sent me a recording of the interview, and I had my friend Eileen translate it from Spanish into English. Now, for the first time ever, you will be able to hear Brittany Castro read Micaela's interview in English. A big thanks to Brittany for all of her hard work on this. The following introduction was written by Francine Miller.
2: One day, Grandma and I were sitting at our big dining room table when she began to share as she often liked to do. This time I stopped her, went to my cassette player, and pressed record. It was a random and unrehearsed moment. During those particular days, my mom, Selena, and I were living with Grandma. We moved in just after Grandpa died in 1978 for several years so she wouldn't be alone.
0: Grandma, just continue talking to me as you were.
2: I'm going to tell you what it was like to be part of a big family. It's not about just sitting around and waiting for the man to bring home the money. There were 12 of us, and I thank God with all my heart that we never had to ask anybody for a grain of salt or rice. I was never sitting around at home doing nothing. I was either at the school or in social circles trying to work. But regardless of where I was, they always provided some sort of income because there were so many of us. Even during the depression, no one ever offered anything to my husband, not even a glass of water because he had his private job with the railway. I was never waiting around for them to give me anything or to provide anything for us. I wouldn't go out waiting or not waiting for something. Can you imagine? I went to work on Friday and on Sunday, I gave birth to Luis. I worked up to his birth and I always had my house in order. At the school where I worked, they would always give me different kinds of materials and I would make clothes for my children. I was constantly trying to make do and not wait for what my husband brought home. People would think that we were rich, but what he earned was only $1 an hour. And with that, we had our home full of all we needed and we even had enough to give to our neighbors. I was always out looking for work. I worked in four different schools and I taught manners people would ask me if we received financial help and I said no. I mean, sometimes the teachers would pay the bus fares so that I could go and teach classes in their school, but that was it. I didn't mind if they would assist me in the kitchen and things of that nature. But now it makes me very sad to see these women who are in a situation where they have big families and all they can depend on solely is their husband's income. Life is hard now, just like it was in my time. The truth is, life has always been difficult, but back in my time the government would give some assistance. Although we never received help, we always had plenty and didn't need more. Oh, that brought me so much joy and relief. When we lived on Utah Street, we had so much ice cream. Loads and loads of ice cream and big chunks of cheese.
0: Where did that come from?
2: Well, back in those days, they used to burn trash in our backyards. And we had a really big backyard. One day your grandpa was sitting on the porch and a man in a truck full of trash stopped and said, how about you let me burn the trash in your backyard so I don't have to go all the way to the dump and I will pay you. And grandpa said, sure, no problem. So then the man started coming on a regular basis and every time he came, he would bring us bacon and cheese and ice cream. I had so much ice cream that one day I went to the school nearby and I asked the principal to please let the kids out of school and come to my house to eat the ice cream so that it wouldn't go to waste. God has blessed us so much and I'm so grateful. What our Lord says is true. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and the rest shall be added unto you. Matthew 6, 33. And that's so very true. He blesses his children. The superintendent came with the children from the school and they all ate the ice cream. I always went to take food to your grandpa all the way to his work and I would bring boxes of ice cream with me and give it to all the workers. For me, it was such joy. And now it makes me sad because everything is so expensive but if you look for ways to make money and make things work you will always have what you need you may ask me when were we ever without something we needed and i could tell you never thank god that's why it makes me so sad with the kids today because everything is so expensive and then they create bad habits and get into trouble they are not fulfilled And their moms are out working and the kids come home from school and the house is empty with nothing to eat and they're hungry and so because they are alone, they find themselves getting into trouble. And then if they don't have anything they steal and their moms don't seem to react or do anything or realize it. That is why there is so much delinquency today. It really makes me sad for the kids and I can't do anything about it. I wish they could all be my children so that I could care for them the way I cared for my children. I always had tortillas during the morning and in the afternoon, they ate beans and soup and meat and cheese. We had so much cheese, we didn't even know what to do with it. We always had bottles of milk on hand and my kids were never hungry. That's when I see my children, they always say to me, Mom, you are the reason why we love to eat so much. It's your fault. Pepe says, it's your fault that we like to eat so much because you always fed us and did not want us to be starving. When we were at 901 Mission Road, do you know what the kids did? They couldn't wait to come home because I would have warm tortillas, beans, and soup waiting for them. There would be kids from the whole neighborhood waiting to eat. And now that they are grown men with families and live far away, when I see them, they say, they will never forget me. And I would ask why, and they would say, because of the tacos that you always had prepared for us. The funny thing is they didn't realize that it was not me. It was just beans and soup with chili but they were so thrilled and happy. As a mother, you play such an integral part in a marriage and you cannot just depend on or expect the husband to provide everything. You have to do your part as well. You always have to make sure your family is fed and well taken care of. And that is a joint effort between husband and wife.
0: And what about during the war?
2: You know that during the war, during that time at 901 Mission Boulevard, we didn't pay rent and we didn't have light or gas. We would use wood and build a fire. I enjoyed it so much. I loved it. Life was sweet. They sold the property and we had to move because they were going to knock it down to build a building. I was so sad because we had to move and then we had to start paying rent. And it made me so sad because we never had to pay rent. Then it made me nervous because I thought we weren't going to be able to make it with just your grandfather's income. That's when I decided to go to the school and other communities and begin to do different jobs in order to bring in income to help. That house was so filthy that it took me almost two months to clean it. One day, the owner came by and asked if I had painted because it looked so good. Another day, a lady that lived with him asked why he rented it to us because she never saw us in need. She thought we were rich people. So one day he came to us. He was a Frenchman. He approached me and said that he needed his house back. Of course he wanted it back after he saw all that we had done to it. And when he asked for it, I said, why do you want it back and he said because you don't need it you are rich and i said sir with all due respect if i was rich do you think i would come and rent a house from you of course now that you see it all nice and clean you want it back please just give me time to be able to go find another home to live in so now we were in a rush to go find a new home and that is when we found the house on utah street it was such a blessing And I remember when we lived on Norfolk, the owner had a little hen and he gave it to me and the lady on the other side also had chickens. The lady next door said to me, oh, you have chickens? And I said, well, it's just the one. The man that lived here before gave it to me. She said, you should let it hatch eggs. I will lend you one of my roosters. And can you believe that the little hen hatched 12 eggs? She was so little that I had to help when she would lay the eggs, and I would take them and put them in a basket with warm glasses of water to keep them warm so that they could hatch. But the hen didn't even want to go over to the eggs to lie on them. I said to the neighbor later, can you believe that my hen does not want to even get up to go sit on her eggs? She said, don't make her get up. She's going to give you another 12. Can you believe that she laid 12 additional eggs and she gave birth to 24 chicks? So when we moved to Utah Street, I took all of my chicks with me and it made me so happy. That's where I raised them. So backtracking some, that's where we found the house after the man asked us to move from Norfolk. We were driving down Utah Street and we saw a sign behind a gas station. The house, it turns out, was behind the gas station. The girls were so unhappy that they wouldn't even fold down their beds. They would sleep on top of the comforters in that house. There was no gas or electricity and the house was just a mess. All of the houses on that street were horrible but the girls were so unhappy. The owner was French and I saw him one day and I said I don't think we're going to stay here because there's no gas there's no electricity and the girls are unhappy and he said no please that's why I came here I wanted to see what was wrong and can you believe that they put in gas they put in electricity and they fixed everything up for us People became so jealous because people had lived in that area for 24 years and no one had ever given them gas or electricity. So things went well for us and that's when I started to go to work at the school on Utah Street. Things always worked out for us. It was a blessing. We've always had a happy life, including our current situation.
0: But didn't you lose work during the war?
2: Oh no, I had even more work during that time than I did before.
0: And grandpa didn't lose his job either?
2: No, grandpa never stopped working until he retired. You know, I'm going to tell you something. The lady that also had the chickens asked me what I was going to feed the chickens. And we had some cornmeal and I said, I'm going to feed this to the chickens. People wasted so much stuff. It was unbelievable. She gave me some sacks of cornmeal as well. And you know what I did with that cornmeal? I made bread with it and I put raisins and nuts in it. So I said to her, you know, there was enough for the chickens and also enough for me to make this bread. So I gave her some. And you know, I went into her kitchen and she had three different kinds of flour on the counter. So then she gave me those as well. I'm telling you, it has always gone well for us. We never bothered the government for even a glass of water. They would offer help and we wouldn't take it.
0: Grandma, tell me what happened when you went to ask the government for help.
2: That's when I turned 62 and I was eligible to receive a pension. I went to the metro office to start collecting it. We already had a nice house on Judson Street. Can you believe that we went from living in a one-bedroom house with a kitchen, by the grace of God, to a house that had seven bedrooms? I cried when we had to leave there because they were going to build the 10 freeway. It was like a palace. So then after that, we had a house made. It was also very beautiful. It had two walls of pure windows. We only lived there for six years, and then it was sold. So when we came to this house, I really didn't like it. But we have made a good life here and all the neighbors are very quiet and kind but we've been very blessed and we desire for nothing
0: but grandma tell me about what happened that day when you went to collect your pension
2: oh well i had arrived and i had my birth certificate and my baptismal certificate in preparation to show it to the representative when i arrived i met this man and he said ma'am why didn't you come sooner i told him i didn't know and he said Well, too bad because you would have already received $400 and I said, oh, that's too bad. He said, don't worry. You'll get it next month. I said, not sooner. He said, what's your rush? I said, well, I wanted to pay my property taxes, which was a lie because I already had the money for my taxes. He said, don't worry. You will be able to pay your taxes. Can you believe it? I got the check for $400 within a couple of days. I'm telling you, we have always been very happy and blessed, and I didn't even have to show him my documents.
0: No, but Grandma, what happened that day my Aunt Natty told me that she took you somewhere to get government assistance?
2: Oh, that was here. She took me to get help from the government. As it turned out, they were giving out food stamps. Nettie came and said to me, Mom, why don't we go where you can get some food stamps? I said, okay. So she took me, and when I got there, the lady said, Ma'am, are you surviving on this amount of money? I said, Yes. She said, Don't you need more? I said, No, I make do. Can you please just let me buy some food stamps? She said, No, we're going to give you more help. I said, Okay, if you want to give me help and give me more, then okay. Can you believe it? Within a couple of days, we got a notice that we were going to get $20 more per child, but we had to take each child to the office so they could collect it. I refused the help and they would get so upset with me. They said, how can you refuse the help? You need it. They are your children and you raise them and they can help you. And I said, I don't want to take away what they would need for their families and their children in the future. They have responsibilities in their own families. I would prefer that the children receive the help they need when they need it, not us. We've managed to provide for ourselves just fine. Our house was already paid for. Well, they didn't want to stop providing me with financial assistance because it was so little. So then I decided to write several letters to various people asking them to help me to get them to stop taking for my children to give money to me. I even went to the office in West Covina and they were so disturbed. I said, please stop providing financial assistance for me. They said, we don't want your children to suffer. And I said, they're not suffering. They will not get what we can't give them. I don't want the office to be obligating my older children to be giving me money. When they can provide to help me, they will, and they do. I want them to be able to provide for their children. So I convinced them to stop taking money from the kids to give to me. Mr. Lopez said to me, Ma'am, just know that your case is open and if you ever need assistance, just come and we will start it again. And thank God we never needed their help. It's true. We are not millionaires or rich by any means, but we have never been without what we needed. And we have have had enough for us to eat and provide for some who don't. And thank God that he has always been faithful to his word that says that he will provide for his children and they will never be without. And it's true that we have never been short by one penny.
0: When did you meet grandpa?
2: Oh, I was already older. I was 14.
0: Did you meet him in Utah? Tell me the story of when you and Grandpa came to the United States.
2: Oh, well, we came separately.
0: You did? You didn't elope?
2: No, we met here, in Arizona.
0: But you told me that when you were in Mexico, no one would let you see any boys. You told me something about when you met a boy or something.
2: Oh, yes, that's where I grew up. I was a young girl in my pueblo. I was around 10. No, I must have been about 13. You see, I didn't know my mom because when I was born, my mom died. So I was raised by my brothers and sisters. Up until about the age of seven, I really suffered a lot because I didn't get to experience the warmth of my mother. I lived the life of a little orphan and that brings me much sadness. When a parent has to leave their child, they really don't realize how much suffering a child goes through. I remember up until age seven that there were six of us that were orphans older siblings were already married we suffered a lot even though we had food to eat but i did suffer a lot
0: where did you live
2: at my uncle's house my mother's brother we were comfortable but we were not rich one of my sisters paula married a rich man she married into the Estrada family i was just a little girl so during that time when everyone else got married the only two that were left were juan and i because we were the youngest And can you believe? I would make tortillas for my brother-in-law, Carlos, just like I do here now. I would smash up the corn in a molcajete, and I would make gorditas for him, and I would take it to him for lunch. It would be so cold sometimes that my hands would get hard. And you know the saddest thing is that in Mexico, it rains really, really hard, and with a lot of thunder and lightning. The man must have thought I was crazy, because when it would rain hard, and I was out taking the tortillas, I would get stuck in a rainstorm. And I would be running and my hair was super curly, and when I got to his work, I would be soaking wet and crying and screaming at God and say, Why did you take my mother away from me? If she was alive, I wouldn't be here. And I would just cry and cry and cry. But then after the rainstorm would pass and the sun would come out shining again, I would go home with my wet clothes and I don't think I changed my clothes. I think I just stayed in the wet clothes and then I would go and play with the neighborhood boys and then I would come home again to make more tortillas to take to my brother-in-law. But I was happy again and singing because the sun was out and I was so happy. Then he and I would come back home together. The funny thing is I would get soaking wet and be so upset but then the sun would come out and I would forget all about my sadness and I would sing and sing and sing because I was happy that the sun was out. I'd get home and my clothes were dry. You know, the life of an orphan is very sad, but I remember that we were blessed. God provides for orphans just as he does for widows. So whenever I see an orphan or a widow today, I think it's a privilege because God takes care of them. I remember after the age of seven, my brother Juan used to call me Chito. And he said, you know, you were very spoiled growing up. Well, I was the youngest girl, so I was spoiled. So as we got older, Juan saved his money. And one day he said to me, Chito, I'm going to head north. He said, do you know that we have a father? And I said, we do. And he said, yes. You see, my father left when I was about three years old, so I didn't know him. Juan said, I'm going to find our dad. I used to call Juan dad and he would say to me, don't call me that. He was already older and when he was around other girls, I would call him dad and he would get so embarrassed. Juan would spoil me very much and treated me like a daughter since he was older. So I stopped calling him dad, but I loved him so much because he took such good care of me. So when I was seven, he had that money and he was headed north to find our dad. One of my brother-in-laws was going north as well. His name was Lucas and he was Chondo's father. Lucas was married to Jesusita Dimas. So Juan and Lucas came to the United States. Before they left, Juan asked me who I would like to stay with the most while he's gone. I didn't want to stay with anybody. I wanted to go with him. So we gathered all the brothers and sisters together and Paula had a little girl. So he asked me who I would like to stay with. And I said, Paula, because she had the little girl. I loved kids. Carlos said, Juan, she will be in no better place than here. So from that point on, I stayed in the house with rich people. And it was very comical to me that they would be serving me dinner and that I wasn't able to do any kind of chores around the house because they had servants. I lived there until I was about 15 years old. I wanted to get married to a boy from the neighborhood and Carlos would not allow it. He said, not until your father writes to us or comes here, will you be able to get married? So Carlos sent a letter to my father saying that I wanted to get married and my father didn't reply. So about a year after that, my dad came home to Mexico. He didn't come to the house where I lived because it was a house with rich people, but he showed up where my sister Ignacia was. So my cousin came to tell me, hurry, hurry, you need to go. Your dad has showed up at Ignacia's house. I was skeptical because I didn't know that she had a grandpa, nor did I believe that I had an actual father. But when Juan arrived, I was running to see him. When I got to Ignacia's house, she said, Chito, this is our father. My dad, Jose Mesa, was a very large man with very fair skin and blue eyes. And I was like, how could this be our father? I'm small and thin. She would say, talk to him. He's your father. And I would say, no. I couldn't talk to him because I couldn't believe that he was our father. And I didn't know him. I told her that I was going to go home and I did. They kept pushing me to talk to him and create a relationship with him. But I said, no. My father didn't stay with Ignacia very long and he showed up at Paula's house and he told her, you know, my time here is running out as I was only granted 15 days. So the reason I came here is twofold. I have a sister here in the United States that raised me and I considered her my mother. Her name was Tranquilina. I resisted my dad a lot. When I was about three, my father remarried and I remember that he wanted to take me away from Tranquilina so that I could go live with him and my stepmother. Even at that young age, I remember that I refused. I was not going to let him take me away from Trancalina, who I considered my mom. At the end of every day, my dad would go to see me and I would cry and cry and cry. So one day I will never forget. When Paula came here, I said to her, do you remember those tall grasses that we had over where we lived in Mexico? And she said, yes. Why are you asking, Mickey? And I said, because I remember when my father came to take me away from Trancalina. I must have cried and cried and cried so much that he lost his patience and threw me into that grass and then my father came and picked me up and i remember looking into those big blue eyes that were so sad and full of tears i will never forget that my sister paula would say to me mickey do you remember when dad used to come to the house and he sat in the doorway and would sing songs to you to put you to sleep holding you in his arms i cried so much that i would cry myself to sleep and then he went and put me to bed That was the last time I saw my father. Micaela begins to cry. That was the last time he had me in his arms.
0: Okay, Grandma, you don't have to tell me about that.
2: So back to the reasons why he said he came. His days were short, and he said to Paula, either Micaela gets married or I take her with me. Paula said, Dad, why do you want to take her? They say it's like a desert over there and she'll be alone. And he said, no, Tranquilina is waiting for her there. As soon as he said that, even though I was in love with the boy here, I was ready to go because I wanted to see her so badly, and I told my dad I would go with him. Paula was sad and she said, Chito, how can you leave? I'm going to stay here alone and I'll never see you again. I said to my dad, how often do they give you passes? And he said, every two years. So I said, see Paula, I'll be back in two years.
0: What do you mean you would be able to come back in two years?
2: Well, my father worked for the transportation department, too, so they would give him passes. So once I was here in America and already a little bit older, I started looking for boyfriends but nothing. I was just so thin and simple. After being here for about 11 months, I started to look for boyfriends and nothing. I was young. I was just so naive. He was so protective of me. One day, we were in Camden, Arizona, and there was an American boy that was pursuing me. He found out and went and told his foreman that he wanted to leave and wanted a job in transportation, and the foreman moved him to Winslow, Arizona. While we lived there, they would not even let me step one foot outside the door. So one day a salesman came to the door. My sister-in-law, Concha, answered the door since they wouldn't let me even get near the door. Concha is married to Mickey's brother, Margarito. While my father was working, my sister-in-law would be home with me. So the salesman came to the door and Concha came and got me and said, Hey, come look at what the man is selling. And I went to go. Look, your grandpa, Segundino lived three doors down. See, the houses were all along the tracks and they were like section housing. So he saw him and he just stared at me, but I didn't like him. I didn't think he was attractive at all. His teeth needed some work. I would say, look at this ugly old guy. So I really didn't pay much attention to him because I had other suitors around. Look at me. The men are pursuing me. So anyway, I selected a book on how to knit. It was a picture book, and it was really nice. I didn't have any money, but your grandpa paid for it. I didn't even know him, but nonetheless, he bought it for me. Segondino had a sister-in-law named Adela. My father worked on a train, and he would leave very, very early in the morning around 5 a.m. He would come home early, but he would leave early because it was very far away. So Adela was afraid of my sister-in-law, Concha, so she wouldn't leave the house early. One day, Concha left early and Adela came over to our house and she told me that her brother-in-law, Segundino, was in love with me. She asked if I would accept a letter from him. I said, excuse me, ma'am, but please don't be bringing me anything from anyone. The day that I decide to marry or fall in love with someone is my decision. I don't need anyone out looking for a partner for me. But they insisted and insisted and he pursued and would write me letters sadly i didn't know how to read in the area that we live my sister had two comadres godmothers i didn't know who they were at the time but my father introduced them to me he said these are your sister's godmothers liliana and martha they were the only people that were allowed in the house because my father was so protective anyway i would give them the letters and they would read them to me Your grandpa continued to write me and profess his love, and I would tell him no because I had other men pursuing me. Well, he continued to write me letters, and because I didn't know how to read, and Liliana and Martha were not there to read the letters to me, I just hid them away, up near my dad's tobacco box. And this one day, my dad went to reach for his tobacco, and he saw the letters. He was so tall, it was easy for him to see up above. Well, he didn't know how to read either, so I wasn't too concerned. However, we lived in this American neighborhood and he had friends that lived in the Mexican neighborhood. So that evening after dinner and after I went to sleep, he went to visit his friends. I'm not sure what time he left or even what time it was when he got home, but I was asleep. He came into my room and pulled the sheets off me and spanked me so much. I was so thin and tiny and he hit me so much that I fainted. Imagine me, so tiny, and him with those big huge hands. You see, Pepe, I was tiny like him. My brother, Margarito, heard this from the other room and came over and said, what's going on here, dad? And he said, look at this. Thank God your grandpa did not sign his name to the letters. Otherwise he would have gone over there and beaten him up. My brother said, what's going on here? And he said, look at this letter. If I only knew who it was, he was so angry. So my brother got up and left and got some special oil and put it to my nostrils. And that woke me up. I fainted from the fear. He woke me from a dead sleep so when i came to that's when i actually started to cry and since the houses we lived in were right next to each other just separated by walls your grandpa actually heard everything that was going on the next morning adela came to the house she went to hug me she was a big woman too and i told her oh adela please don't touch me my body hurts i think i've caught a cold and she said a cold huh My brother-in-law heard everything that went on last night, and he was so angry that he said, come hell or high water, I'm going to take her out of there. And I said, I don't even care for him. She said, yes, but he's already made up his mind. He can't stand how they treat you here. They don't even let you step outside. He kept writing to me, and to be very frank, I did not love him or care for him. Well, one day he wrote me a letter. He had received his paycheck, and he sent me money and said, please take this money and leave. Meet me in Holbrook, Arizona. And he said, if you don't go, I will take you. I spent so many days crying. I was so afraid of my father. I said to myself, this time I survive, but next time he will kill me. I was so tiny and he was so big. I was so scared of him. So I finally made a decision. There was an older woman that would go shopping for us. Her name was Lupe. They wouldn't let me leave the house, but this one day I said to Lupe, I ran out of yarn. She said, is your dad awake? I said, no, he hadn't woken up yet. She said, the yarn store is close by, go. I said, alone? She said, yes, run. So I did. I went, and with every step, I felt like someone was pulling me the whole way. I was so nervous. So Liliana's husband worked at the train depot, and he would clean the train carts and put ice in them. Yes, ice. At that time, they would put ice in the trains. So when he saw me arrive, he said, Mickey, what are you doing here? Where are you going? I said, I'm going with your godmother because my sister lives in Sander, Arizona. He said, what do you mean you're going with my godmother when you don't even have a suitcase? I said, listen, Don Jose. His name was Jose Simmental. I said, I'm going to stop to buy something in Holbrook, Arizona. He bought me a bag of apples, oranges, and candy. He said, so that you can take them with you. And he said, did my namesake buy you a ticket? See, my dad's name was Jose Mesa, and his was Jose Simmental. I said, no, I'm going to buy my own ticket. He said, well, come this way. The train is coming soon. He seemed to suspect something. He said, should I give you the ticket to Sundance, Arizona? I said, no, to Holbrook." See, Holbrook is where my sweetheart was waiting for me. So when he gave me the ticket, he said, Mickey, you're not going with my godmother. You see they knew the life that I had lived and that my father wouldn't even let me step foot outside the doorway. He said, "You're not going with my godmother." I said, "Yes, I am." He said, "Mickey, I don't blame you." A one. He said, "Mickey, I don't blame you. A young woman like you and they have you like a prisoner. They wouldn't even let me go outside." Who knows what Jose thought, but it didn't matter. I let him think what he wanted to think. I said, "I'm going with your godmother." He said, no, you're not. Please tell me where you're going because your father is going to ask me where you are. I think Don Jose was afraid of my father and he knew my father would come to him. He said, what should I say to him? I said, if my father comes to ask you where I am, tell him I went to Bernalillo, New Mexico. I have a friend there that's going to get me a job. You know, he gave me some really good advice that I will never forget. This man cried as if he was a woman. He said, "'Mickey, please stay on the right track. "'It's not right that a young woman like you "'is held prisoner, but please make good choices.'" I said, "'Don't worry, Don Jose, I will. "'I'm going with a friend who's going to get me a job. "'You see, my sweetheart's sister lived in New Mexico. "'It was close to Albuquerque.'" He said, "'Okay, Mickey, just remember "'to stay on the right path "'and don't get yourself into trouble.'" I said, "'Don't worry, Don Jose, I won't.'" It stuck with me that he cried so much, "'Just like a woman.'" He said, I see how your father treats you, and it's very sad that he would treat a young woman like you, like a prisoner.
0: And who was Don Jose again?
2: He was Liliana's husband, one of my sister's best friends. See, my father would only let me talk to Liliana and Martha, Pedro's wife, no one else. They were the ones that would read your grandpa's letters to me. Poor me. But God is always with us. But I have lived a very sad life. I think about it, and look back on it now, and I think about it, but that was years ago.
0: So did you get there?
2: Oh yes, this is what happened. So sad. When the train departed, Don Jose stayed there until the train left. So arriving to Holbrook, Arizona, as the train entered the depot, there was a switch and a train was departing as we are arriving. Oh Francine, can you imagine that in the line for the departing train, there was a man named Mariano who knew my father? He worked at the commissionary where my dad would take me to buy things. This young man had spoken to me before. He was very tall and handsome, but I didn't care for him. So can you imagine as my train was stopping, he got on and came and stood next to me and asked me where I was going. I said, with all due respect, you don't need to know where I am going or what I'm doing. You see, he was interested in me, but I was not into him. He said, what do you mean? Your father didn't come to buy a ticket for you. He knew because my father would go to the commissionary to buy the tickets. He said, your father didn't come and get the passes. I said, sir, you don't only travel on trains with a pass. He said, you need to get off now. I said, I'm not. He said, get off. I said, I will not. I said, you're not my boss. He said, who says? I said, I say. He said, well, you better get off. And I said, I will not. He kept insisting, and by this time the train had stopped and your grandpa got on, and I was so happy to see him. But your grandpa didn't realize that this guy was trying to push me to get off the train. So we got off the train together, and so did Mariano, and Mariano followed us for a block. You see, we were heading to meet Procedes and Sasferno, who were going to be our witnesses for our wedding. You see, we had everything prepared. They didn't even notice Mariano either, but I kept my eye on him. I said to your grandpa, I wouldn't call him by his name because I was still so uncomfortable. But I said to him, why don't we leave? Didn't you see that man that was standing next to me on the train? Didn't you see Mariano? He said, no. You see, he was so happy that I was there that he didn't pay attention to anything else. I said, that was Mariano, the guy from the commissionary. I'm certain that he's going to tell my dad that he saw us. I said, let's go, please. And Embraceres and Sasferno said, oh no, you're not going to leave. I said, you guys didn't realize the man that was following us dressed in navy blue? They said, no. I said, well, he works at the commissionary and knows my father, and I'm sure he's going to tell them. So we left. And can you believe that the next day my father and my brother Juan showed up? Preside said, good thing you left because your dad and brother showed up and they forced us to let them into our house to look for you because they were certain that you had hidden here. My dad said, she better hope that I never find her. Who knows what he was thinking poor thing maybe he didn't want me to leave him because i was his last one you see i didn't want to run off and get married i wanted to have my family around me but he wouldn't allow it well at any rate i went off to live with my sweetheart we were together three months before we got married because he didn't even have a job and i didn't even have other clothes but in those days material was only five cents a yard and i was so tiny that with 15 cents i could make a dress for myself Three months later we got married. Your grandpa belonged to a society, and a judge of Bernalillo, New Mexico, was the president of the society. There were days that your grandpa would go out looking for work. He would come home late. He had two sisters, and one of them I liked and the other one I didn't. And the sister I didn't like would say to me, warm up his food. The houses in Bernalillo were very big and were made of adobe. The windows were also very big, so when it's dark outside, you can't see inside. So my godmother would show up every now and then. You see, we had been together three months already, and by then your grandpa would grab me or spank me on the backside. So she walked in when I was serving him dinner and said to her sister, You know what, my friend? I don't like the way he is treating his cousin. <laughs> Mickey starts laughing. He is disrespectful. See, she didn't know that I was going to marry him. Being that her husband was the president of the society, she kept insisting insisting to my sister-in-law, his Hisosita, that she didn't like the way he was treating me. Finally, my sister-in-law said, You know what? She is not his cousin. They are going to get married. But he doesn't have money or a job, she said. Why didn't you tell me? Well, it's just that he can't find work. So she went and told the judge of Bernalillo. He came and talked to your grandpa and told him that it wasn't a good idea for us to be living together without being married your grandpa said, but I don't have a job. He said, don't worry. So the judge married us civilly and he took us to get married by the church in March. The priest was so sweet. It was only the four of us, the two witnesses and us and the priest and a stagecoach and horse. You see, during that time, there were no cars. So we got married at night and we were so happy. And the priest took us to his house and gave us some glasses of wine. It was so good. I drank it because it was very sweet, and he gave your grandpa a cigar, and he was choking because he had never smoked," Nikki says laughing. The priest says to him, if you've never smoked, then don't smoke it. Well, we got married, and when we got to the house, the best man was a musician, so there was music playing, and the neighbors were there. They were all friends of my sister-in-law, and instead of being there and enjoying the party, I went to my room, and I started crying and crying and crying until everything was over. But my godmother didn't leave me alone and she said my girl aren't you happy that you got married and i said no she said why didn't you want to get married and i said no she didn't know that my name was micaela i want to let you know that if i was going to marry with joy then i wouldn't have changed my name on the certificate i said my name was rafaela i thought that i would accept the job as wife and i would just go back to life as normal But she said to me, remember that when we were on the altar, it was not only the four of us and the priest, she said. There were other eyes and ears watching and hearing. I said, who? She said, God, when you were making your vows, he was listening and watching when you promised him that you're going to be faithful to him your whole life. You heard what the priest said, right? I said, yes, it wasn't just us. God was there. She gave me a lot of guidance and counsel. And when we would go through rough patches, I would remember what she told me. I didn't love him, but we were faithful to each other. What was going to happen happened, but thanks to God, we made it 62 years and we lived a happy life. And I take joy in knowing that I was true to my word and I followed what God says in sickness and in health for richer or poor, you remain faithful to your husband and thank God that I can say I'm very happy until God takes me home. The following song was written by Micaela and recorded on February 24,
1: 1985. me yo pregunto por mi madre. No hay quien me dé razón. Oigo la voz de un ángel, me anuncia que murió. Al oír el triste ausento, de la voz que me que mi madre ya había muerto sin haberla visto yo la desgracia de un hijo es cuando su madre pierde y ese recuerdo llevo hasta la eternidad tú me has hecho una herida
2: little girl my mother left me. Therefore, I was left to grow up with just him. I asked for my mother and no one could give me an explanation. I heard the voice of an angel that announced to me that she died. It was very sad to hear this news from this voice that my mother had died without ever seeing her. Such a disgrace for a child to lose their mother and I will carry that memory with me until eternity." You have left such a painful void in my poor heart, and I'm sorry to say it through this horrible song.
0: Interview by Francine Miller Translation by Eileen Pino Read by Brittany Castro Edited by Caleb Garcia